Hey, John. Hey. Do you want to remind everybody about what's coming up in a few months? You mean the big Mormon Expression live broadcast? Live recording. Yeah, what's the difference? A recording is recorded, a broadcast is broadcasted. You mean if I'm not there, I can't hear it live? That's right. You can hear it later, though. You mean I have to be there? You have to be there if you want to participate in the live recording. But what if I ain't got no dough? It's not very expensive if you ain't got no dough. You just pony up about 5 or $10 and you're in. Uh, do I have to pay now? You can pay at the door, but you do need to reserve your tickets in advance. What happens if I don't reserve my tickets in advance? There's a possibility that you might show up and there won't be any room for you. Where's this uh, happening? It's at the University of Utah in the... What's the room called? The Crimson Room. The Crimson Room. So, reserve your tickets, be there or be square. Hey, what else do we need to talk about? We also need to remind everybody about the essay contest. It's a great opportunity to have your voice heard on Mormon Expression. We need recordings of no more than 10 minutes, and your story can be anything to do with Mormonism. Yep, and you'll have a chance to win $100. $100. Ding, ding. Entries need to be in by July 1st. We look forward to hearing them. Welcome back to another edition of Mormon Expression. I'm your host, John Larson. And tonight, uh, first of all, we're being joined by a couple of the, our, our, our old regulars. First of all, we have George. Hey, George. Hi, everybody. And we have the one and only Tom. Hey, Tom. <laughs> hey, what's up, guys? And tonight, we're being joined by another one of our, uh, our good friends who's been helping us out with the conference uh, episodes, uh, the one and only Alf Omega. I do. Now, Alf... Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh golly, um, I uh, I was raised uh, Mormon, and I uh, haven't sent in the resignation letters yet. But uh, not really on the um, not really believer these days, but still pretty active. I play the organ every week and uh, play the piano in primary. Um, I I have a believing wife and uh and several kids who haven't shown any signs of skepticism yet so i'm i'm happy among the saints and uh but still not a believer you know um in most congregations uh i don't think a lot of mormons know this most congregations will hire their organ player um and it's very very common for an organ player to not be a member of the faith or congregation so I think you're in you're in good company by being a sort of semi believer on the bench. Yeah, well, I'm, I guess I'm bringing a non Mormon tradition to the um, <laughs> to the chapel there, <laughs> making it feel a little more Protestant, huh? Yeah. And and you know, for those of you who uh, follow the podcast, uh, for for two sessions running, Alf and I have single handedly brought down the priesthood session. That that's been our domain. <laughs> we can't seem to get anybody to join us. No, you know, all these guys who say they have temple recommends and stuff, and, <laughs> you know, I can't get a single one of them to sit through the priesthood session. Oh, all right, all right. I get enough guilt from my home teacher, so that's <laughs> needed from it's you. A, you know, there's, um, you know, your standard Catholic who goes to uh, church on Easter and Christmas. I'm the Mormon expression Mormon <laughs> who goes to church twice a year at conference. <laughs> All right, um, I you know we promised in the in the other podcast I believe that we would bring Alf back to talk about the statistical review of conference. So I'm I'm pausing for all of you on your treadmills to switch to something <laughs> that will get you through the next uh, a half mile, you know, if that's what you're into. Yeah, it's time to pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so so. So, Alf, now you have been handicapping the conference sessions for quite a while now. Is that right? Yeah, starting with um, the 2005 April conference. I, it, back when I was on ZLMB, I, I put out a, 
uh, a post that I called handicapping the statistical report where I, I pretty much figured, well, here's all these numbers that we've been, uh, that, that have been reported in conference for years. We should be able to put these together and see some trends and predict what the next numbers will be. So just before the April 05 conference, uh, conference, I looked at the numbers and, and made some prognostications based on recent numbers and then afterwards evaluated how, how well I did. And I've done that annually ever since, the most recent edition. Um, pretty quickly, I moved over to MAD because ZLMB was dying. Um, and the, most of the editions have been there. Yeah, so MAD, of course, is the Mormon Apologetics and Discussion Board. Um, I think it's at a mormonapologetics.org. And uh, once a year, you, you post this, and uh, it's become a popular endeavor over there. You don't, you don't even get any negative feedback from it. Among, among certain uh, circles there, yeah. I, I think... I think the the geek factor is pretty heavy in in that particular thread, <laughs> but yeah, people who dig people who dig numbers and charts uh, really get into it. So um, speaking of geek, we will be geeking out on these numbers tonight. Um, I will post all of the um, charts to which we refer tonight up on the website. So if you want to follow along in your book, you can head over to the Mormon Expression page, and they'll be up when you can hear this, and you can um, wallow in it. <laughs> you can geek out. As we always do every year. <laughs> I want to know if there's been trend charts and control charts and bubble charts put together on these things. That's that's been when though we're really geeking out when we uh apply six sigma to this or something like that. <laughs> well, that's, that's basically what we're doing. And it's sorry, the geeks only will know what the <laughs> I just said. <laughs> I do use the trend function for for my baseline prognostication. All right. Uh, for, I, I guess maybe I should outline my, my methodology a little more concretely before we go on. Um, in that post, I will put in a bar chart that shows, for example, in the category of stakes. And I show, it's a bar chart, I show all the totals of stakes reported in annual conferences from 1973 up through um, the most recent one. And so that'll show you a kind of an upward curving uh, line. Uh, there's bumps and, and uh, there's, there's smooth sections, but um, it, it looks like, you know, steadily upward pretty well. Now, if you're, going and, to, if you're going back to 1973, are you using only the numbers that are published in the annual conference review, or are you using the Deseret Book Mormon Almanac numbers? Haven't used those numbers. Um, no, I just go with what's reported over the pulpit, just trying to keep things simple for this exercise. And, um, you know, this doesn't depend on these numbers being, you know, real or, you know, accurately reflecting <laughs> anything. They're just based on how the numbers have been reported in the past, what are the next reported numbers likely to be? And so my initial thesis was, well, let's take the most recent five years, project those linearly uh, for the next year, and then eyeball that number and figure, uh, is this going to be high, low, or right about on? And then I'll take a guess. And so for this, this year, for example, the, um, the five-year projection was 2,862 stakes. Um, that was based on the previous five years, which ranged from 2,665 to 2,818. I probably shouldn't say actual numbers very much in this podcast, or this is going to get even less interesting than <laughs> it already is. Go, go ahead. Uh, um, we'll just keep yeah, but, but as we get to the Maybe if you make it to the end, you get a prize. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, with that projection, 2862, uh, it turns out that this year, the actual was 2865. So the projection was pretty good. Um, and my prediction was that the, the projection would be uh, high, but it turned out it was low. So, you know, so keeping score for that particular category, I was wrong. So for trend. You're using Excel trending functions, right? That's correct. Which is a form of um, predicting the slope of the curve, basically how the numbers are changing over time. Well, trend is linear. So if you just have um, several points, it will take the average slope of those points and then take you one farther out and see what the next point would be on that average slope. So what we're there. doing is we're looking at the, how the church growth is, is, is changing and trying to use that to, to pre predict what's happening in the next year. Yep. 
Okay, before we get any further into the, the stuff, let's talk a minute about why this is interesting. <laughs> but, um, and I know we have some... Make the case. <laughs> I know we have some listeners out there who are not LDS, uh, um, surprisingly enough. So let's be clear. The church very carefully measures everything. And if you've ever served as a ward clerk, you will know that you fill out a weekly statistical report that reports the total membership, and you count how many people are in sacrament meeting, and you give very precise numbers. My point is the church knows exactly what its membership is. It knows exactly how many people are going to church, but it doesn't say. They won't tell us. Well, they report a number. Yeah. They report uh, that in 2009, um, let me get back to the, uh, the spreadsheet, 2009 there were 13,824,854 members. Well, so, they re- so they report the total membership, but do they report the active membership in relation to the inactive membership? Well, define that. <laughs> I guess the people so, that are uh, putting their butts in the, in the pews that are being counted in comparison yeah, to total but how often you know it's a, it, it's there there are no bright lines here you know there's there's people who are there every week there's people who are there once a month there are people who are there several times during a lifetime and everywhere along the continuum right and there are people like me who are there practically every week who um don't believe a thing so <laughs> how meaningful is is a membership total that includes atheists well, and, and we also know that um, from when I was a clerk, now this is uh, going on eight, nine, ten years ago, um, you reported the, the numbers every week, but only one of them really counted. Only one of them went on the stake one, and that was the first Sunday. Well, everybody knows that the first Sunday is the Sunday when you have um, baby blessings and that sort of thing. So the hope always was that when the one that mattered came about, you'd have like a good baby blessing and get people in. And if, if you were attending a baby blessing and let's say you went to your sacrament meeting and then you went to a baby blessing, you'd get double counted. So there's another reason the numbers might not always be, be that accurate. Well, let's face it, fast and testimony meeting is probably the most interesting one of the month. <laughs> you know? I don't know about that, but <laughs> yeah, I, that's, that's my, that's the worst one. For if me. you've been to my ward recently, you, you would, you reach that conclusion without much difficulty. Yeah, you know, Al, <laughs> I was a believer. I hated it, and when I became a non-believer, I love it. It's 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 probably a matter of perspective, perhaps. Um, and I don't mean to denigrate the membership total. It's probably it's probably high, but it is a very difficult problem to um, figure out actual affiliation. I mean, it, as we as we know from. Uh, from countries that do their own census that report that has self-reported religious affiliation, you know, there's a, there's a disconnect between the number of members that the church thinks they have and the number of uh, citizens in that country who think they are members of the church. So some, even, even though somebody was baptized, they may no longer consider themselves members of the church. And, and really in voluntary association with, with a, an organization like the church, you know, isn't that sufficient to, to to say I'm no longer a member? Do I have to? Does that decision of mine, whether it be private or public, have to be reflected in the church's database? So, so here's a question I have for you because this is probably the most hotly debated that I've seen um, thing that goes on out in the blogger knackle and on the forums and stuff is is reported numbers versus numbers of people who are actually butts in seat. In the years that you have been doing this, has anybody produced a methodology that is statistically valid that would take a make a good assumption and, and come up with some valid numbers that would show um, butts in seat um, as compared to the total membership numbers as reported by the church? Well, recognize that the um the charts that I'm doing are based on reported numbers in conference. So, yeah, there may well be some things that you can do with um, supplementary uh, figures that you find from some other source. But where you're just dealing with what's officially reported over the pulpit, you know, you, you have to um, make some assumptions that are based on things that are not reported over the pulpit. Well, yeah, that's what, what I'm asking, though. Have you, seen, have you seen anybody in the years that you've been doing this do one of those types of projections that actually looked like it was, that, that it was done with a valid 
rationale and a valid methodology to it. I'm not sure there's just any purchase. The only place you can put that grappling hook to really get to to a a rigorously better number. Um, okay, all, all all such things are going to be fairly fairly squishy. I think. Okay, uh, that makes sense because what you're saying then is that there wouldn't it would be very very difficult to come up with a statistically valid number as compared with the officially released number to to come up and say it's it's 50% or it's 40% or something like that. Right. Well, and recognize okay. even if we had access to that first Sunday of the month number that's reported up and somebody could total those and and show what proportion of the total membership is actually in the seats for a Sunday of every month. That includes non-members, you know, that includes people who are visiting who are, and and like John says, perhaps double counted. Um, You know, that's, it it, it may be an upper limit on the actual, uh, uh, maybe not even upper limit though, if you, if you consider that any given week, you know, people who are, Active are just going to accidentally not be there for one reason or another, but it's a it's a it's a neighborhood for what the actual active membership of the church ought to be. But we don't have that number. Awesome, thanks. So, do you know that the when they came, when they announced the total membership is that record numbers is like whoever has a membership number that's the number or is it what's counted from the word clerks? Or do you even know? Yeah, I think that's a database number. I don't think database, that's an attendance okay. number. Yeah, yeah, I think they have a database of of members and um and in fact there there was a, an interview that Merrill Bateman gave to a reporter with the um, Salt Lake Tribune back in 2005 where he uh he said some things about um statistics that I don't think were on the record before that interview one of them was that there's you know we we know that that the church loses track of people because people move out and you can't find them they they disappear they maybe intentionally disappear maybe they just negligently disappear but the church doesn't know where all the people on its database are so there's a decent sized file of of people that elder bateman referred to as in transit and they can remain in transit for a long time and one of the things that he he mentioned that that um kind of surprised me when i first heard it was that they keep those people in that in transit file until 110 years after their birth just to give the church every possible chance of catching up with them while they're still alive. It's only at 110 that a person is actually lost and presumed dead. So there are probably, there are certainly some some phantom members in the total that are dead people they've lost lost track of and um, not enough time has elapsed to expire their membership. Isn't that where uh, you and or John? Isn't that where you and Zilpha land? We yeah we are count- no they know where we are. We have home teachers and everything, so oh, we are okay. counted as part of that number. Um, well yeah, you're in the total, but you're not in the in transit total. Yeah yeah, oh. we're not in transit. They know where we are, but I, I do want to point out that just from this podcast, Niall and Jim are both still members. So yeah, we're all counted as Wait, part of that. Niall uh, is. Yeah yeah he never resigned. That blows me away. I thought, I thought for sure he, did. he was gone. I, he yeah. I don't. I don't think so. So I mean, it's it's been very contentious um, among people who care, I guess, because the the numbers are clearly off by a huge factor of people who would self-identify as LDS. Um, and I, it was a few years ago. Maybe Alf, you can speak to this. Where there was a study out of South America, um, where they did was it Mexico? Um, I, I can't remember, but they... they I think had, there was a Mexican one. I think there was also one for Chile. They had the actual census counts of people who self-reported. Right. The, the interesting thing in comparison was other faiths, like I remember the Jehovah Witness and some others, their numbers were very, very close to what they self-reported. Um, and I know in the United States census, the last census in 2000, well, I guess we'll have another one coming up here in a while, a lot of the Protestant religions were very close to what they self-reported, but the... The census numbers for the LDS Church tend to be off drastically. Well, I mean, we know what uh, anybody who's been on a mission or been around missionaries knows just how eager they are to get people baptized. And and there are a lot of people who get baptized quickly and then quickly go in transit. That's what you would expect. If you, if you have a higher, um, 
higher, higher barriers to entry. Like I understand the Jehovah's Witnesses do. They they have like a long period of study, and then they have you have to commit to some real, uh, real heavy uh, behavioral standards. Um, you know that that's that's going to keep things fairly close. I would think. And I know a lot of religions. Um, you know, it's well known. I kind of attend the Unitarian Church. Um, that that. <laughs> They'll purge that church in quotes, air quotes, right? Well, you know, for the Unitarians, some of them refuse to call themselves churches. Mine's actually a fellowship because um, okay. they, they don't like to be called a church. But um, they will, if you don't show up in a few years, they'll just they'll just kick you off the rolls. Um, you know, so they don't bother they don't bother carrying them. And actually, I know f- several. I can think of um, um, some good friends of ours who are nearby who l- left the church who actually resigned. And part of the reason they resigned was. They didn't want the the local ward to carry the burden of having to carry them on the rolls and assign them visiting teachers and home teachers. Not they didn't want or care for people to visit them, but they knew that there was an overhead cost for the for the ward um, in carrying those memberships. That's awful. Well, I've I've heard that from many people that uh, say they resign. They say that one of the biggest factors is they want to be left alone, and if you're not, you don't get to be left alone until you're actually away. Uh, or your memberships are taken away from the church. Is that? I, I guess that's not correct. even then. Always right. <laughs> yeah, not even then. Yeah, I guess. I guess if John's got home teachers, see, if he doesn't want home teachers, he's got to pull the trigger. Well, the family's the X factor. You know, the you you can you can resign from the church, but very few people successfully resign from a family, and, yep. and or, or want to. You know, so right. You're still going to have a connection. The church also, I've encountered these guys a couple times. Um, I encounter them as a missionary, and I count them as a ward clerk. They have an office in, in, the, uh, in, the, in downtown Salt Lake that just tracks down lost members. Yep. So as missionaries, we got like referrals from these guys that would say, go to this address and see if they're still there. And if they're not there, ask them if they know, and, and things like that. And we get the same thing as a ward clerk. The church would say, this person is the cousin to you know Nathan, Go ask them if they know what Nathan's contact address is. So the church actively tracks you down. But I have to say, BYU Alumni Association is much more aggressive. They've tracked me a lot faster than the church ever has. <laughs> they are pretty efficient. That's true. I've noticed that, too. <laughs> All right. So uh, enough of that uh, nonsense. Um, so let's talk about uh, some of the, the fun numbers. Now, I, I, in your reports, it looks like 99 was a pivotal year in that growth on all fronts sort of slowed down in 99 um that's that's probably that's probably true let me let me pull back up there's a um one of the charts i have is increase in membership by percent so that is trending downward uh toward the left side in the 70s you have annual growth rates of somewhere usually between four and five sometimes over six percent but usually somewhere in the four to five percent range annually and that's up through actually even through the um through the uh, mid to late 80s. Then 90 and 92 are off the charts. 1990 was 8.5% growth, and uh, nine, I, these numbers are diagonal. I may be misreading that. I think 1989 was the 8.5%, uh, and, and then 1990 was over 6%. Both of those sticking way out, big, tall weeds from the lawn. My guess, since those numbers don't add up when you... When you uh, factor in uh, increase in children of record and convert baptisms that year, I think that was a year that they adjusted the accounting in some way. Perhaps that was when they introduced the 110-year rule for the in-transit file. Yeah, you know. it's, it's, it's definitely in variance with the rest of the numbers. It's an outlier. Right. So if you whack those off, you, know, you can see it then starting to slow down a little bit. In the, in the 90s, it's between 3 and 4% for the most part. In... Um, in '99, it went. It dipped under three percent, recovered in 2000 to almost four percent. But then, since 2001, it hasn't crossed three percent any year. So it's to, been, it's been between two and three percent for uh, the last decade, pretty much. So to put and that in more the lower end of that range, really. Oh, sorry. To put that in more layman's terms, that means that the number of members that it costs to get a new member, it's taking more and more members per new member. Yeah. Yeah, if you if you look at converts per thousand members, which is another um, chart I have somewhere, yeah, it's it's even more obvious the uh, steadily downward curve from the late '80s through uh, the late 
aughts. And, and that might be just a carrying cost of those members that we talked about. Those guys get baptized by the missionaries when they're 11. By 12, they're, 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 they're off to the wide world. They never hear about Mormons again. And then for the next, what, 98 years, they're counted on the rolls. And that's, that's right. bringing this number down. For, for example, if the church were to cut all those names off the roll, their, their increased statistics might look a lot better. Yep. So I, That's I have a question about the increases and the, and the kind of the flat space, because I was noticing on the first two charts, the number of stakes and number of missions, it, all, it seems like between um, 90 to 95 for missions and then 94 to 99 for the number of stakes, we have outline no, huge level of growth in that area. But that yeah, also coincides. Right, that's, but that's also the exact same time when you're saying that as a percent increase year over year, we, were, we, we dropped down to the, the 2% range, or we were in the 4%, no, we dropped from the, we were at the 4%, 3% range, and then it's, so is there a, is there a correlation between those two? Because I'm, I'm trying to figure out why we had faster growth in stakes and missions at a time when increase in membership percentage was starting to drop. Well, uh, let's back up one one uh, level too, and and say that probably your growth of units is a better indication of the you know, the actual growth rate of the active membership of the church, because you know you have to have so many tithe paying, Melchizedek priesthood holding, uh, temple attending mes- uh, families in a, in an area to have uh, one of these one of these units created or divided. Yeah, good so, point. So that that if you if you use the total membership and compare it to the uh, um, to these to these unit growths, that that will probably give you a little better idea of what the actual increase is. And those are still increasing. There's there's no doubt about it. But it's but the growth rate is slowing. And and you can see that from when one of a couple of my charts are members per ward or branch and members per stake or district. Um, those are going up from from the late 90s uh, through the present. It's steadily more more members per each of those units. So that indicates, yeah, once again that um, we're carrying a lot of non-contributing members in that total membership number. So you say that the growth is steadily uh, not growing as fast. I guess it's shrinking. I guess right. It's not shrinking because well, not shrinking. I, I but guess the, the growth rate is getting smaller. They're still growing, but. The growth rate percentage is not getting bigger, right? On average, on average, yes. Although there are there are local variances uh, from one year to another. So, like in the, um, you know, in in two thousand four, it was a growth rate of, of uh, about two and a half percent. It went down slightly in two thousand five, but it was back up to about two thousand four numbers in two thousand six. So, you know, there's there's Minor, when you look at the absolute numbers, it, it looks like just a steady line upward. When you look at the chart that says what the rate of growth is, then you can see there are variations. And it, we're kind of in a plateau. I can't say that it's, it's slowing or accelerating, particularly in the last, say, uh, seven or eight years. It's kind of just you know, bubbling there at a 2, two to 2.5% two growth rate annually. So if we're to... Pl- Sorry, John. No, go ahead, Tom. I was going to say, so if we're in a plateau, Alf, I mean, and I'm sure you've thought about this, and it's obviously not in any of your statistics or your charts or anything like that. Do you see um, in the future, 5, 10, 20 years, that uh, that plateau starts to steadily decline? Do you think that's what this kind of a trend is? Well, you can you can make any number of assumptions and come up with any number of conclusions based on those assumptions. There was a rather famous prediction from a guy named Rodney Stark I think he he was studying the growth rate of the church in the 80s and published some articles and an entire book, I think, called The Rise of Mormonism. Um, and he was looking at historical figures on growth rates by decade, basically. Here's how, here's how quickly we grow per decade. And he, he gave two rather famous projections, um, a low end and a high end, for the church in 2080, 100 years from when he started looking at it. And so he, he projected that on the basis of a... Uh, of a 30% annual growth rate, or not not annual, but decennial growth rate, every 10 years, 30% growth rate, that by 2080, we would get to 63 million members. And a 
decennial growth rate would get us to 267 million members. And so that, that second number, the 267 million, is the one that gets reported most. And on the basis of that, um, he, 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 he poses the question, are we seeing the arrival of a new world religion? Because when you start to get quarter billion people in, in the world, that is, that is major world religion time. Um, I don't think that we're, I don't think we're going to see the upper end of that range. Over the last 10 years, it was about a 28.5% growth rate, which is still pretty close to his bottom end, slightly under that. But, you know, these things don't behave linearly. That's why I'm only comfortable proje- projecting the next year. So you're not, okay, so you're, neighborhood. you're not comfortable enough in giving an assumption of 5, 10, 20 years from now? I mean, I, I have made some projections, just fiddling with numbers to see, see what different assumptions uh, yield. Like if you take the last five years, project them linearly to 2080, you get 35 million members. If you, um, if you fit a parabolic curve to the, to the last five years, you, you get it actually right about the same as it is now. 13 million nine is what it, what it projects for 2080. An really? exponential, yeah. An exponential curve fitted brings you up in the 76 million range. So those are wildly off, practically useless, <laughs> as far as I can tell. Hmm. Okay. I, so, you know, I'm comfortable saying that in the next 10 years, you know, we're, we're not going to double. Sure. Um, but it, but it, 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 it will probably be under 30% growth over, over the next 10 years. Probably bringing us close to 16 million, maybe. I don't know. Not 16, 17 million over the next 10 years. It's not, it's not going to be pushing 30 million. At some point in... I don't, I don't speak as an expert on, on this by any means. But I, as I understand population growth dynamics... You know, when you are a really small group compared to the uh, environment you're in, you can do all kinds of wacky things early in in that growth rate. Once you start to become big enough to reach what I think they call the carrying capacity of the environment, you have to reach an equilibrium. You can't continue growing indefinitely. You know, rabbits can't multiply indefinitely. You know, they will reach a a static equal, not a static, but an equilibrium. With, with the environment and, and you know predators and food supply will determine what they can do and and we are I think the church will probably at some point reach a a, a an equilibrium with the uh, with the cultures in which it's in, implanted now, the, I don't know how close we are to that but some that argue that we've already reached that in the United States when you look at United States growth figures they kind of track um, the general population growth in the United States which you could conclude, I don't know, there's enough data to say it's reached its carrying capacity for the United States, and now it's just, it's just basically standing still. Because, you know, Mormons are having children, and so are everybody else. So you, you, there's going to be some growth. Yeah, and let me mention one thing uh, about uh, children of record and uh, convert baptism. So far, or, or at least in recent times, the uh, convert baptisms have been about three times the uh, the number of children increase of children record every year so that that component is about three to one we're still worldwide getting um, the biggest chunk of our growth through convert baptisms at some point if we are close to equilibrium then we will that that will change and most of our growth will come from organic growth from birth to to families within the church so I have, I have a question about your trending. Um, when you've done your trending, you've basically used the years since 1973 to predict kind of what's going off in the future, right? Right. It, have you done any trending on this thing that kind of looks at it from just like starting from 2000 moving forward? Because a lot of people have postulated um, with a theory that says since the advent of the Internet – church growth is starting to, to slow and it'd be interesting if you took off the years between 73 and 2000 ish um, what the trend lines would look like at that point well I guess I misspoke a little bit I don't usually use those those early years in my trending I, okay. I do stick to recent years when I'm when I'm projecting something okay when I'm projecting right. what's going to happen next year I look at the previous five years I have them all on the charts all the way back to 73, and that, that's just by convenience because online, when you look up conference reports, that's the earliest year you can get from the LDS website. There are, there are earlier numbers available. I haven't dug them out and incorporated them, but just for convenience, 
in the era of correlation, these are the numbers. <laughs> right. Okay. Thank you. Okay. And uh, I'd be suspicious of anything that starts from 1973 and projects all the way up to here, because these were these are disparate eras in the history of the church. Yes, that's true. Now, now one of the interesting numbers has to do with um, the missionaries, the number of missionaries, um, which we saw take a big dip in about what 2005. There was a there was a growth trend that went up, and then, like everything else, it starts slowing and peaked about around 2003 or so. Then dipped way down, went on a two-year trend, and it's been holding a little bit level. Um, they're all like pre-1996 or 1997 numbers right now. That was the raise the bar year. Yes. Well, yes. Go, go ahead. <laughs> um, if you go to that, if you go to that uh, thread on 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 Mad, that the the story will take an interesting twist because that was my contention. In 2002, actually, you see the peak year for missionary totals, just over 60,000. It drops to 55-something in 2003, and then down to just over 50,000 in 2004. So two straight years, it took a precipitous drop. Um, and I, I said, well, that's just got to be changing, in, changing the standards of admission to the missionary force. Because when I, when I look backwards to birth rates, I didn't see the big dip. Turns out... Um, I just don't do arithmetic very well because um, I was going from the present day, not from 2003. If you look back in 1983, 84, those were peak years for births in the church. 120,000, um, what, what was the category that year? Increase in children of record in 82 and 83. Then under 100,000. In '84, it was a it was a precipitous drop. I don't know what accounts for for that. That's that's probably one of the more interesting numbers is that the birth rate suddenly dropped by uh, like over 15 percent in one year. And Maybe. I think that the echo of that is what we're seeing in the missionary numbers in 2003. And Bateman, in that interview you referred to earlier, claimed that he said that th that it was something the church had anticipated. I, I believe that trough is accounted for by the baby boomers and the, 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 the changing between those generations. So those kids born before about 80 were, you know, the, the first generation of kids born to the baby boom. So if you were to look at population growth cycles in the United States, you'd see peaks and valleys um, following those generations as one bigger generation changes off. So see, I, guess I, I have a little bit of a hard time with that. I was, I was elders quorum president when the, the whole raise the bar thing went in. And I remember over the, the subsequent year or two, I had to deal with probably twice as many 20-year-old elders than we had ever had before. Because at least in my ward and the way that it was implemented in my stake, they came out and said, you know, you're masturbating, you're not going. You've been with a girl one time, you're not going. And and it was it was a dramatic drop in the number of missionaries that we saw going out from our stake, and a dramatic increase in the number of nineteen, twenty, twenty-one year old guys we had hanging around in in the wards and in the singles wards, and and for us to deal with. So, just from personal experience, I saw an effect with that program going in. But you're saying statistically, it, there's other reasons for it. Well, it's it's. Actually, pretty predictable. If you look at the drop in birth rate, you see it echoed pretty neatly in the drop, drop in missionaries. Yeah, um, I agree. Your, your, birth rate, your birth rate argument is a very solid one because that would follow through easily. That, that's, but does it, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if raising the bar effort uh, contributed something to it, but I'm sure it's, it's swamped by the, de the demographic contribution. See, I still think that raising the bar is just a cover story. I, I don't buy it. I, I would think that... You know, when I was a kid, <laughs> getting you know getting like a porno magazine was a chore. Um, no, you had to you had to go through all sorts of hoops. You know, so so uh, if if you're talking about like a pornography addiction, that's going to be so much more prevalent today than it would have been say 20 years ago. Um, but all they really need is a Sears catalog, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Victoria's Secret. <laughs> okay. Uh, I I don't want to hear you guys in your. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> so, so I, I don't know. I haven't seen any personally. I think raising the bar is just a cover story. Uh, that's my story. I'm sticking. Well, with. the the only thing that that makes me wonder is 
because they're raising the bar thing, and then there's that drop in um, active missionaries. But you'd think, since the missionaries are that much more uh, valiant, and you'd think the convert to baptisms would have jumped up too. Less missionaries, but more convert baptisms. Yeah, talk about well, that. There is, I do have a, um, I do have a chart for converts per missionary, and um, they uh, they bottomed out right about uh, 2003, but they've been increasing since um, slightly, and they're still fairly low, lower than than historic uh, averages. I, I the the I have five converts per missionary in 2008. Um, that's that's worldwide that's, or church wide or whatever. That's yeah. That's based on dividing the convert baptisms reported in the statistical report by uh, the number of missionaries reported at the, in the same report. Hmm. So it's just just pretty straightforward. So yeah, they uh, that it took a little. It took from uh, about four and a quarter up to five. It took that little increase over the last five years. So there may be something to the raising the bar, is uh, increasing the effectiveness of missionaries. But the number of missionaries has been fairly fairly steady. Since that drop, it's it's very little bit, but there's not a there's not a big trend one way or another. So that also mirrors more or less the demographics. If the if the raising the bar was going to continue to erode the missionary force, it did its damage early on and probably is no longer a, a factor in in the next in ongoing numbers. Except we're we're falling into the fallacy of assuming those are all young men and young women missionaries. And if you do recall, in the early part of the of the 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 two thousands. There was a big push for elder couple missionaries, and that number is not broken down to just say that you know the single young men on the mission. It they, is full-time missionaries. You're right. So yeah, the, there's probably may, maybe we're projecting more than is warranted from those numbers. And I've heard stories from my parents that there's people in their state who are serving full-time missions who live at home and then drive down to Salt Lake every day, 40 hours a week. So I, there is a, a real probability here that the church has sort of played fast with that number, where if you're looking at the number from 1982, that would be largely the standard proselyting missionary, and now there's probably a lot more uh, wiggle room in that definition. I didn't come into this podcast very cynical, John. What are you trying to do here? <laughs> so are, th are there numbers um, that break down, like how many sister missionaries to male missionaries no. to elders? No. Not not in the not in general conference. If they're if they're elsewhere, I haven't I haven't found them. I haven't looked yeah, them I, too hard either. But okay, I'd like to see the breakdown of hot sister missionaries to the other kind because the more of those you get, the more they're on Temple Square. And last time I was there, there were a whole bunch of them. So I would assume that the overall beauty rate of the female missionaries. Want to incorporate the map <laughs> into that chart, wouldn't you? <laughs> Show cluster. Do it. Do an overlay of stats. Is that what? <laughs> <laughs> You're you're tight. That's tight, John. Yeah, last time Zilp and I were on Temple Square, I swear we got accosted by about fourteen different sets of missionaries. You'd walk out one door and there was a set there. Walk in another door, there's a set there. And man, it was a it was a slow day on Temple Square. All right. So um, I thought it was always a slow day on Temple Square. <laughs> oh, Let's see. Let me bring up the the chart. There, there, there's another one here that's sort of interesting looking that I probably need you to explain to me. Membership growth rate minus state stake growth rate because this is above the line and and uh, below the line sometimes. What? Yeah, it because because stakes and and total membership grow at slightly different rates. Some years um, the uh, the stakes are growing faster than the membership is, and some years the membership's growing faster than the stakes are. Um, so this this is meant to capture their relative uh, at, on any given year their relative speed of growth. Um, so off to the left, you see um, negative numbers where uh, the membership is growing faster than the stakes. Is that right? No, membership minus, so that would be um, stakes are growing faster than the members. And uh, that's from the mid-70s through the early 80s. Then we have a period of the 80s through early 90s where the uh, um, membership was growing much faster than the stakes, and, and that anomalous year of 1989 sticks way out the top. Um, I, again, I think that's a that's a, a record-keeping artifact, not actual organic growth. Um, then, for a period in the late '90s, the stakes were were kind of on a tear, and we saw that in the stake um, chart, where it was kind of steep in that period. And then, over the last 10 years or so, it's been the 
the stakes have been growing about 2% slower than the total membership, two, 1% to 2% slower. Now, I know where I live here in, in, in North Carolina, um, we have stakes and wards. If I, if I understand correctly, our stake has four wards in a branch. Um, so it, it, when I was growing up, our stake had 10 wards and then went to 12. And those were full bursting of the seam wards up there in Roy, Utah. Um, and I know that when I go to the priesthood session, I did kind of a head count last time of the stake. There was about 45 of us there. Um, I asked my home teachers how many people come to church generally, and they said about 150. So I, th I think a lot of the stakes out here in the mission field might be a little bit smaller than those at Zion. Let's compare those to your numbers, Tom. You're... You're right there in in, in uh, Utah County. What was it like? <laughs> Actually, it's about the same. I it seems like uh, when our ward clerk would take the numbers, it would uh, sacrament attendance would usually go between 100 to 200. Usually, never above that. I mean, except for those first uh, fast and testimony meetings with the baby blessings, then it might get to 300. But usually, we don't have to open the overflow. But yeah. But uh, your your ward is fully staffed. There's a certain number of people you have to have to run a stake. You know, if you're going to have a stake, you have to have the stake presidency, you have to have a high council, you have to have the bishoprics. Yeah, it's, the... it's, it's fully staffed, sure. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's some that are doing a little bit of double duty, but yeah, it's fully staffed. This is the heart of Zion, bro. Of course, we're running, we're running like a well-oiled machine. I thought you had it where there was like four people with the same calling and you'd rotate it through. Isn't that how Utah is nowadays? Uh, you have four four beehive teachers and four teachers quorum advisors and I'm just giving you grief. I grew up there. You got to give me some. I I know the place. <laughs> Tom's new calling. He's a greeter. He's the greeter at the door, uh, which is a promotion from his old um, calling, which was the hymn book collector. <laughs> which was great, except for you'd run into the animal crackers all the time. So what, so what about what about the shrinking missions? Because uh, I noticed in this last conference they talked about missions that uh, they were done away with, and they did away with my mission. I was very disappointed. I, th I think there's some creation and some consolidation going on at the same time. Um, since the uh, since the late '90s, there's been only a fairly slight increase of total 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 uh, missions. We're somewhere in the uh, 330 range, up to almost 350 now. Before that, you know, from the early 70s uh, on up through the late 90s, there was a fairly steady increase from just over 100 missions to over 300 missions. So, you know, that, that's, that's pretty visible on the missions chart. Steady growth for 20 years, fairly, fairly slight growth for the last 10 years. Yeah, and now they have young men and young women who are called to non-proselyting missions. That was unheard of, um, you know, 20 years ago when I was out. There, there were couples that were called on um, service missions, but never young people. Well, and missions may be the place where we start to see um, the church's equilibrium with its uh, environment earliest, because the missions really are worldwide. And in the uh, you know in the early '90s, we had we had a sudden opening of of lands that we had never thought would be available for for proselytizing. There are still quite a few lands still closed, but it doesn't look likely that we're going to be able to enter those anytime soon. So. It may be that the church reaches an equilibrium of number of missions it can have in the world and profitably proselytize there. All right. I want to talk a little bit about the, the flip side numbers. Um, Grant Palmer, in his book, um, famously said that he heard from Salt Lake City that there were upwards of 100,000 people resigning from the church each year. You, you've all heard that statistic? Yeah. yeah. So in the past five or six years, I've been keeping my eye on that number. And about three or four years ago, I said Grant Palmer was off by a factor of 10. That sounds I'm, right to me. I am now ready to go on record saying that he is off by a factor of 25. <laughs> I would be surprised to learn that there's more than 2,000 people a year actually resigning from the church. 2,000 a year, huh? 2,000. What are you basing it on? What, uh, I mean, what's making you I, I'm, go with that? I'm basing that on my own experience, you know, organizing and contacting ex-Mormons both here on the East Coast, um, and when I did that back in um, back in Davis County in Salt Lake City. Uh, 
Um, I, my experience after having met many, many ex-Mormons is that most of them have not actually become ex-Mormons. Most of them have not resigned. Um, it's probably, I would guess, one in three of people who self-identify as ex-Mormons and might frequent the message boards or go to the, the, the call meetings or the ex-Mormon conferences, um, only about one in three have actually resigned. Um, I think it's just much more common for people just to you know quit going to church. So what about the rumor that you hear about, is it Greg Dodge, is that his name, that, that his staff has had to increase from just him doing filings to you now he has to have a staff of five or six and they're madly working all day long to do it. Strength, I mean, strengthening the membership committee, yeah. Well, that's not, yeah. that's not Dodge. No, Dodge. that's not the same thing. That's not yeah, the same okay, thing? So, no. Oh. no. Strengthening the membership committee is actually exists. We'll have to talk about this in another podcast. They are the church's clipping service, and they keep track of notable, naughty Mormons. So they have a whole hard drive who, devoted to Mormon Expression podcast. Right? <laughs> so who's, who's the group then that on Flack all the time you see all the instructions of who to send your letter to? And I thought it was always listed this Dodge guy. It is. He has. I can't remember the name of the office, but they are the office that processes like the the, the resignations, and and I assume they process um, excommunications and. Um, reinstatements. You know, if you've been excommunicated, you need to get reinstated through the first residency. I would just naturally assume that office handles that. But, you know, in terms of paperwork, you know, let's say let's say there were 300 people resigning every year and each one took a half hour to process. You know, you, you, you've still got to have a staff there to, 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 to deal with that. So I don't think the fact that there's three or four people working in that in that office, and I don't think any of the ex-Mormons really know, I don't think that pretends to 100,000 resignations. You know, I just don't see where there's room. In, in, um, when you have the officially reported numbers, total members, uh, increase in children of record, and convert baptisms, there's a gap there where you can have deaths and, um, and statistical adjustments, but also people leaving of their own accord. There's just not enough daylight between those categories um, year to year to sustain those kind of numbers. They have to be under. They have to be five figures or four figures or less. Is is the way I see it. Well, and, and my, this is my opinion again. Um, I think that naturally, for as long as the church has been around, there's a huge attrition rate of people who just quit going. Some of those people come back. I probably maybe a fifth. I think I read a church figure at one point that said, "Yeah, I, I did. It was it was in a sociological study of, of membership." And it said that 80% of members have go to a period of, I think, at least six months of inactivity sometime in their life. 80% of all members have been inactive at some point in their life, um, which, is, which is a huge number. So a lot of people drift out of the church and then, then circle back in. I would guess, even if you look on the angry boards, you know, one out of five, one out of ten of those people, ten years from now, will be, will be back in the church. That's just naturally what people do. I'm not trying to criticize anybody i just think there's a lot of ties there and we tend to return to what worked for us at one time in our life even if it's something like alcohol you know um so so i think there's this huge number of people who just naturally leave the church for whatever reason it doesn't work for them and i think the people who are actively you know angrily sending in letters i i don't think statistically they're much different than what the church has always been dealing with I think I think what's interesting about looking at all these numbers that Alf's put together is it doesn't really confirm, you know, the Niles of the world that are ho hoping that the whole thing's burning and that it's it it is on a steadily decline because all they have to do is read Grant Palmer's book and they'll want out. But it also isn't confirming necessarily Mike's view that the church is also growing head over heels and all the other countries are opening up with open arms either. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> if we if if there are members who still believe that one of the signs of the times is an exponentially growing church, they're probably going to have to adjust their expectations over the next few years. Well, and we saw in this last conference, I think the church has started to try to soften that blow with the membership and tried to make it clear. You know, the, there's people who will claim that the church not growing is a sign that it's the true church because you know the true church is always small in numbers. They'll claim, and there's people. <laughs> Claim that growth is a sign of, I, I I don't think growth or lack thereof will hurt anybody's testimony. 
Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Everybody well, just take just it and say, that's what it is. That's, it is what it is, and they'll either find justification to, to make themselves feel better if it goes up, or they'll find things to make themselves feel good if it stays the same or goes down. I think they'll, I, uh, it's, a, it's a thing that they can't um, alter, and so faith will, will help them out when, uh, no matter what happens. And if you, just pay a, if you just look at the total membership number, you know, that's that's going to be the one that most people, if they remember any of the numbers from the Saturday uh, session where they announced them, it'll be that number. It was 13.8 million this this last year, um, yep. and that's going to continue to increase for the foreseeable, as as far as I can see. I don't see any. I don't see the beginnings of of a plateau for that yet. I don't see that number flattening. I see it. I see it slowing down, but. That's still continuing to increase, and that's what people are going to remember. We're going to cross 14 million probably the next time around, and people are going to chalk that up, and they'll look back at their childhood. I remember when we only had 4 million people, and um, it's, that's, that's the parallax that they will apply to that number. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so I don't think, you know, the prediction, my prediction for next year, we can go around the table here. I, I think your, your trends will, show, will continue I think the rate of growth will continue to decline. We'll hover somewhere just below 2%. And um, then we'll see a slow, you know, isometopic leveling out of the, of the membership. And it'll kind of track overall U.S. population growth. That's my prediction. Really quick question for you before we go on with predictions. I don't know if I disagree with any of that. With your stats going only back to 1973, does it follow the same linear up into the right, if you went back to, you know, the 1800s or the early 20s or anything like that. I mean, is there any numbers that go back decades, many decades? Well, yeah, there there are numbers. I the the Rodney Stark um, uh, book that I referred to has a chart by decade going back to 1830, um, starting with he had he estimates 280 members in 1830, 16,000 members in 1840. So that's that's by far the biggest leap in, in, in membership we had any year. Uh, the first million was crossed somewhere between 1940 and 1950. But if it, he also, on the same table, has rate of increase. And the decennial rate of increase has been uh, historically somewhere between 18 and 73%. It's really all over the map. A lot of, some decades, there was, there was 50% growth somewhere in the 20s. Um, and so that's why he... He uh, used 30 and 50 as, a, as his bracketing numbers, but 28.5% was what I calculated for the most recent 10 years. So we're a little below that bracket now. All right. Any, other, any of you have predictions? I agree with Alf's um, trend predictions. I think the church growth rate will, will continue to slow down. It won't stop, but it'll... You know, I, I do think that we'll crest that 14 million mark and there will be a lot of cheering. But, uh, yeah, I, I think if if they could just go a little bit easier on uh, raising the bar and uh, get a little bit of Sears catalogs out of the, some of these young men homes, that, that might make things a little bit easier to get missionaries in. <laughs> it's the Internet they have to watch out for. The Internet, yeah. Yeah, because you never know what all those things will do. So I, I, my prediction would be, yeah, I think they're going to top 14. I think it'll continue to just follow worldwide population trends. And until you see a change in birth rate happen in larger um, numbers, you know, a positive or negative, I think you're just going to see this that continue to see it grow up up into the right. Um, from And like you said earlier, mostly organic growth. So... Yeah, I would, I would agree. I'd, it would be interesting to take a poll and maybe do a vote online to see who thinks it will jump over 14 at the next conference report or whether it would wait until the, the time after that. I'm going to say over. And furthermore, I'm going to predict that the auditing report will show that all tithes have been dispersed uh, within the uh, guidelines <laughs> set up. <laughs> Two great predictions. Let's get hey. them down on paper. How about this, Alf? Of, of all the numbers you see, what are some of the numbers you wish that you could see? Would it be tithing dollars? I mean, what are some of the numbers you wish they, they would disclose? Oh, my. Um, I guess I'd like to see more detailed breakdown of, of all the numbers 
you know, rather than see aggregate totals, I'd like to see things um, by ages, by regions. Um, I, you know, I'd like to see exactly how many are in the in-transit file. Maybe that's my number one. How many uh, members are in that total for whom we do not have an address? Spoken like a true statistician. He has a chance to get worldwide tithing increase, and instead what he wants is a statistic to compare against existing data. That's all I'm interested in. <laughs> all right, guys. As always, the discussion continues on the web page where you can also see these fascinating statistical charts. Um, you can send us an email at mail at mormonexpression.com. The website is, of course, mormonexpression.com. And you can call us at 801-906-6722. John, every time I come on, I never intend to talk about masturbation. Somehow it makes it in. Every time. <laughs> I've never brought it up any of the three times. Just, just putting that on the record.